Good afternoon, everyone. Well, welcome, especially those who may be joining us for the first time. Um, if you're visiting, it's lovely to have you. Um, we are in the ninth part of a series that we've been doing through the Psalms, and we've pretty much come to the end, at least the end of this mini-series kind of season. We've spent a number of weeks in one particular psalm, actually, Psalm 1. Uh, I felt like to go another week in Psalm 1 would have been a stretch. Not that it's not possible, because how many of you know, meditating on God's Word day and night um, would be untrue if Psalm 1 ever could be fully exhausted. You know what I mean? But... <coughs> I felt more inclined to, to go with another psalm today as we wrap up the series. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 146. And today's message is poetically inspired praise. So we talked about poetry. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about um, last week we did prayer. We've talked about prophecy. Um, today we're going to conclude by spending just today's message talking more particularly about praise. And my desire is that the poetry of the Psalms would continue to inspire us, and again, particularly with regards to our praise. <clears throat> so let me go ahead and read Psalm 146, and then we'll jump in by God's grace. The Psalm begins in a way that it ends. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked, he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. <coughs> now, if Raymond's in the room, I'm going to invite him to come join me because... You know, week after week, I've been encouraging you, even challenging you to write something. You know what I mean? Bring something. Come sing something with regards to what we've been talking about in the Psalms. And thankfully, you know, Ray hollered at me. And I'm so sorry. I should have asked if we could have had a mic um, set up. Um, over the course of the, the past nine weeks or so, we've had a number of individuals kind of come up and share. You know, what may have touched, impacted, you know what I'm saying, and encouraged them. Um, so Ray hollered at me and said, oh, Pastor Robin, I might have a little something, something. And um, I was like, check, I was check. like, what? I was like, amen, praise the Lord, man. And again, especially because I'm a bit thin on the ground today, this is a blessing. Um, <coughs> so, uh, Ray, I can't see no notes or nothing, bro. Oh, no, no, I got my phone in my pocket. Let me oh, you got your phone? Oh, okay. I thought you had it memorized stand. like that. No, I'm not, so, I'm not um, okay. so as you pull that up, 
Um, is there anything that um, you want to say particularly before you share this, or you just want to deal with it? Or um, no, nah, I was. Just, I, I mean, I guess I was inspired. Obviously, like I mean, I don't usually like talk or anything. So I thought, let me write something. Yeah, he lets the keys do the, his fingers yeah, do the talking, right? But um, many of you don't know, when I was like 12, I used to rap. So that's basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but if it's yeah. So so what, you inspired your brother then, because yep. the, because everyone yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, knows yeah. Denzel to do a little do poetry. poetry yeah, yeah. Thing, yeah so. I, was, I did it first. Ah, you're just, the big brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't as good, so he did the poetry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so. Um, yeah, basically, if it's, if it's good, say it's good. If it's bad, don't say no. But yeah. All right, cool. Psalm 1. All right. Blessed is he who walks not, nor stands in, nor sits in the courts of those in sin. His delights in the law of Elohim, and from night until morn his thoughts dwell on him. So he's blessed, a tree by streams that's refreshing, mm. and the river runs with the blood of the sun who has covered the blunders and the scum. He's the one who receives reverence, but All he's right. living water, so he could never perish. And honestly, I pray that I'm chaffing, I'm not, sorry. And honestly, I pray I'm chaffing, I'm, ugh. honestly, I pray I'm not chaffing, I stand properly. And even though I'm rooted, I still act like a rotten tree. But God's moving, I see the fruits he's producing, and I see the way he grew them like systematic theology. Jeez. And sovereignly, he cleans all my sin and flaws, beaten by the written law, redeemed by the whips and thorns. So like Zacchaeus in the sycamore, let's be trees to help people see the risen Lord. Jeez. Man said, like Zacchaeus, let's be trees and see the risen Lord. Oi. Bars. Yes, thank you, Ray. Um, and like I said, I'm thin on the ground. I'm supposed to summarize last week's in a rap here. Um, haven't been able to do that, although what I have done is <coughs> I've written a hook and because I'm not teaching next Sunday, um, Pastor Neil is, I still got another week to summarize this week. So I'm going to ask him if he can give me a squeeze and I'll try and do next week quite a big endeavor. Uh, maybe I will not submit the promise because I probably may possibly not be able to keep it. But what I've done is I've written a hook and I'm going to try to write a whole song for next week. And because I'm not preaching, I'll have that time, he says. And I'm saying to be able to try and, you know what I'm saying, and do that. But <clears throat> the chorus of the song is like this. goes, Lord, I don't always feel like praying. Because remember, last week was about prayer. Lord, I don't always feel like praying. I don't always feel like praising. That's this week. Yet you're faithful, patiently waiting, when overwhelmed by the trial that I'm facing, Lord. I don't always feel like praying. I don't always feel like praising, but I'm glad that you don't stop saving. Been contemplating how your grace is amazing. I don't always feel like praying. You know that feeling? I don't always feel like praising, yet you're faithful, patiently waiting when I'm overwhelmed by the trial that I'm facing. I don't always feel like praying. I don't always feel like praising, but I'm glad that you don't stop saving. Lord, I've been contemplating how your grace is amazing. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that we have the opportunity to be real in your presence. And it's funny because we're here, quote, unquote, in church, quote, unquote. We're the church. The church ain't a building. Um, there's a temptation for us to behave in a certain way. <coughs> Yet, Lord, you know us not just on a Sunday between 11 and 1. Lord, you 
You are with us for the rest of the week. And you behold, Lord, the, the, the evil and the good in our lives. And so it's senseless for us to fake or pretend. Um, it's really better that we just be honest. And <clears throat> Father, my brothers and my sisters, today may be in a place of exuberance and may have sang the songs, Lord, with gusto earlier. But Lord, maybe there may be a few who didn't feel like singing or sang and it came out their lips but not necessarily from their hearts. And Father, if, if you were a God who only loved us when we behaved ourselves, when we were good, when we were quote-unquote righteous, Lord, you would not be the God of the Bible. And Jesus would not have had to come in our place because of our weakness to rescue us. And so, thank you, Lord. You have saved us by your grace if we've put our trust in Jesus. And you now give us the freedom and the liberty to be honest before you because we know we're not expecting a backhander or we're not expecting, Lord, for, for you to reject us, neglect us, or forsake us. You promised that you'd never leave us. And so thank you for the liberty and thank you for the Psalms and for the fact that they're so honest, which enables, unlocks our ability to be honest with you, if not with one another, Lord. And, um, and I just pray that today you would help us, Lord. Right now, we may be feeling one way, <coughs> but by, by the end of this message, Lord, that we would genuinely be in a place where we can honestly say, with the writer of this psalm, praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> so, last week I'd like to think that we got some help with regards to encouragement or inspiration that would enhance our prayer lives. This week I'm hoping um, that we can find something similar to advise or to speak to us, something that could healthily motivate our praise. Amen? And I don't want to focus on the what as much as I want to focus on the why. Because the what is one thing. You know what I'm saying? But if we can work out the why, then that will help to... And, and we also want to be careful that we bear in mind three um, other things. Um, what would this psalm have meant to an Old Testament saint, I'm saying, who would potentially sing this psalm? What would, what, what, what would it have meant for Jesus to have sung this psalm? Like we crack it and we look at it, we read it, we're like, oh, that might be new to many of us, like we've never read it before. Or... As we read it, we're thinking, okay, I'm not that familiar with this. This is new to me. How many of you know Psalm 146 is far from new? And, <clears throat> and so we want to we wanna understand how the saints of old sang it. We want to understand how Jesus would have sang this psalm. Um, and then also we want to we wanna figure out how, you know what I'm saying, we can sing this psalm also. So our church is called Ecclesia. Welcome again, if, if, if you didn't know. And... Ecclesia is the Greek word for church. Um, to define the word, 
it just basically means an assembly or a, a group of people assembled. And that for a particular purpose, right? Um, we are, we would say, God's people for, for his glory, right? That's our purpose in kind of like a snappy statement. And as I prayed, it's more than just assembling on a Sunday, like the church. But often you're like, oh, where's the church? What, St. Peter's? Yeah. Go down the road, turn left, it's on the corner. How many of you know that's not the church? <laughs> the people are the church. And <clears throat> we're a group or a body of people that are connected by a purpose for a purpose. Um, we want to be a healthy church, equipped to disciple, and, if, and, and, and faithful on mission. Um, that fundamentally sums up who we are, what we are, and kind of what we're about. And how I many of you know there are loads of groups that assemble um, <laughs> and that for different reasons? How many, of, how many of you know Parliament are a group that assembles? And I'm saying they are elected individuals that are a group. Why they assemble <laughs> is a good question, especially currently, right? Now, obviously, Parliament serves a great purpose, but... <clears throat> I mean, and they need, and how many of you know they need our prayers? Like, particularly now, especially when the decisions they make are going to affect us. And I mean, let's not, not, let's not, not pray like last week, you know what I'm saying? And then when the stuff, when the yogurt hits the fan, right, then we're like, oh, this, that, and the other, rare, 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 blah, 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 right? We've got opportunity now to affect that change. Otherwise, what's the point of prayer? What's the point? And I'm saying, might as well just bun the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Un unless, unless, unless us speaking to God about our concerns fueled by his concerns that come from his word, right? Last week we talked about prayer, um, God's word fueling our prayers. So we're actually talking to God about the things that he desires, like having a conversation with God about what he desires. Like, like maybe not, not, not my kingdom come, Lord. Your, will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. We can pray that with regards to our governments. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're encouraged. We're, we're, we're not even encouraged. We are, um, what's in First Timothy? Like, we're, we're commanded to do that. You know what I'm saying? Um, with regards to kings and those in authority specifically. <clears throat> but my point is, this is a group of assembled individuals that have a responsibility to represent their constituencies passionately and persuasively. Right, that's their job. Nevertheless, they're a congregation that assembles. Um, now, I'm a fan. I'm a football fan, if, you're not, if you didn't know. And I say a fan. I can't really say I'm a supporter because supporters literally support the club in many different ways. I, I'm just a fanboy, you know what I mean, really. But there are three teams that I support. <laughs> They're free. They're free. It goes to show that I'm a joker. I'm, 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 uh, there are three teams that I'm a fan of. The first team <coughs> is my home team. So I live in Sydney. Crystal Palace are my local team. And because they're, I mean, they're in a the premiership, but they're kind of like lower, the middle table club, mm, but they're kind of close to the relegation zone. I suspect they won't be relegated, but um, they're my closest club. And because they're not one of the top six, you can get tickets to go watch them play. You know what I'm saying? And like, Ticket prices that don't break the bank. And I can take the kids along, you know what I'm saying, and we can go watch a Crystal Palace game and sometimes them playing some of the bigger teams. It's around the corner, right? Crystal Palace. 
Um, <clears throat> I'm also an England fan. You know what I'm saying? When the time, when the time is right. And, um, <laughs> well, when I say the time is right, I, I mean, I, I ain't try, even trying to be funny. Like when, like when World Cup's on and cha European Championships, etc. unless... Is that the wrong No, man, England are doing... Hey, you forget that England got to the semi-final of the World Cup. Hey, like you, and, and like even hearing it now is quite surprising, right? It's hard to believe, but it's true. And, and the only time I don't, maybe four teams, the only time I don't support England in the World Cup, at least, is when Jamaica's in the World Cup. Hey, what can I do? <laughs> Swiftly moving on. Now, my other team, my other team now is Arsenal. You know what I'm saying? And I, make, and, and, and I don't make no apologies. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So Arsenal. Now, now, when it comes to supporting any of those teams, especially when assembled or congregated with the other fans, you know what I'm saying, at a game, and it comes to celebrating, like singing the praises, if you like, of our team, often it's a struggle to find something to praise about or praise them about. You know what I mean? But no, we're doing good. We're in the top four. You know what I mean? But... <clears throat> Sometimes I notice when I'm at a ground, wherever it is, you know, any of those three or four. Um, when it comes to celebrating, sometimes you can feel. Sometimes I feel pressured to do something that I don't necessarily really want to do, especially being a Christian. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's the jumping up and down and you know, singing all of the songs and you know what I mean, and kind of really, really getting into it. Now, like I said, I'm a fair weather fan in that sense. Because more often than not, I just want to sit and watch the game. I'm not really into the getting up and the raising of the hands. Because in one sense, it gets close to, 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 to slipping over into worship. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know what I mean? But I'm just saying, sometimes, apart from all of those kind of over, like, super spiritual reasons, sometimes I'm just sitting there. I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like getting up. I just don't feel like, well, I, I just don't feel, them man are much better off than me, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, why am I going like, to, like, like, no, I'm, cool, I'll just come to watch the game. But, <clears throat> sometimes I do get up, and sometimes I do sing, and even though I'm not feeling it, I vocally verbalize, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes, a heart, felt sentiment, especially when we're winning. And the challenge, you know what I'm saying, when I'm not, especially when I'm not feeling it, you know what I'm saying, is to stand up and watch everyone be outwardly animated, passionately, or at, at least enthusiastically. And the thing is, if you're a real fan, you don't just do it publicly, you also do that privately. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm at home and it's on Sky, Sky um, Sports, and we're winning. I'm like, yes, I jump out of my seat when we're scoring, publicly and privately. Now, <clears throat> the problem is often I don't necessarily feel like that, and someone could look at me and say, boy, you're not really a real fan. And I know as a fan I'm supposed to support my team, maybe not so much Palace in England, but definitely Arsenal, that's my team. But sometimes for one reason or another, I'm just not feeling it. Sometimes I don't even want to watch it. Now, if you can get with the football analogy, how many of you know sometimes that's true about church? I mean, since you say amen, I think you said it for all of us. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes just not feeling it. 
And I think verse 1 is crazy, right? When I say the same can be true of our spiritual lives, verse 1 says, praise the Lord. <laughs> you, knew, you do know that that is actually an invitation, right? In the Psalms, to praise the Lord. It's actually plural. It's like, shall we praise the Lord? You probably heard that, like if you have a Pentecostal background. <laughs> shall we praise the Lord? And you hear the, you hear the, you hear the in, invitation. It's a question like, so what, like, so what are you saying? Uh, wait, wait a minute. It, the question's, question's so loaded. It's like, so wait a minute. Oh, oh some of you praise, praise the Lord. Some of you are praising the Lord. But how about you lot are sitting down? You're not praising, like, shall we praise the Lord? <laughs> and I'm saying, and, and it's, it's funny because, again, not trying to focus on the on the, on the doing, but the reason or the rationale behind it, see, it could be just like asking a child to say, you know what I'm saying, you, you hand them their breakfast and they just dive in. You're like, excuse me. <laughs> Thank you don't cost nothing, you know. <laughs> now, now, it don't sound like it, but I'm asking them a question, right? Or her. And, and it's crazy because then they'll turn around and say, Thank you. But, they only said it because you said it. They only say it because you said to say it. That's not coming from their, <laughs> that's not coming from their heart. Probably if, if you really heard what was in their heart, it wouldn't have been thank you. <laughs> right? And I mean, if you know, and especially in church, there can be a thin line between motivation and manipulation. It's like when your manager at work, puts his hand or her hand on your shoulder and they say, you know, we're really struggling today. I know it's six o'clock, right? We should have gone home an hour ago, but we've got a project that we need to finish. And they put their hand on your shoulder and they're saying, how do you feel about maybe staying back and kind of helping us to finish? No pressure. Right, that's what it was. <laughs> See, and, and I think I could apply pressure on you. Praise the Lord. Shall we pray? I could apply that pressure on you, and often that's what we experience in church. But now, <clears throat> see, I'd be doing what we said we should never do at this particular point. When initially looking at a psalm, when initially looking at any text of scripture, what we mustn't do is immediately begin to apply it to us. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we're the selfie generation, right? Like, surely everything is about me. Now, you won't say that. I won't say that. But how many of you know we live like that? And I'm saying. So, before we kind of jump to us, <clears throat> verse 1 says, praise the Lord. This originally would have been an invitation to join in the ancient congregation of God's people, Israel. To praise the Lord. And as much as it's a corporate call to praise. It's also a private one. Look at the next part of the verse. Praise the Lord what? Oh, my soul. One ought to encourage oneself to praise the Lord. One ought to encourage oneself to praise the, the God of Jacob, the God of Israel. But sometimes as an individual, <clears throat> sometimes...
Sometimes we need the collective help of the community. You know what I'm saying? Is that true? Like week to week, if we were left to ourselves, week to week, if I was left to myself, how many months are we? Four months into the year. So that would mean, what? Four fours and 16, if my maths is, is any good, right? So 16 weeks since Christmas, every week, I can say, by God's grace, I praise the Lord. But if it weren't for you, if it weren't for being part of this community, I don't think that that would have happened. We need help when it comes to praising. And that help comes from the community, but there is still that personal responsibility, right? For me to be able to say, oh my, because I can be in here and Pastor E come out. Because, you know, Pastor E can be very vigorous sometimes. Hey, especially when we're singing, right? You know what I mean? And, and you're in that place where you ain't really feeling it. But you have to. And this is why I'm saying the whole manipulation thing ain't helping nobody. If anything, it causes condemnation. Because if you're like, wow, everyone's so excited and jumping up and down and doing backflips. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but I don't feel like that. But I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it anyway. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and again, this is why we need to get to the motive for why we do what we do, not just. Praise the Lord corporately, but also, you know what? I want to be in a place where I can say to my own soul, come on now, without no manipulation, come on now. <clears throat> now, look at verse 2. I will praise the Lord, right? As, as long as I live, I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Now, can you see that? I agree with the psalmist in a sense that God, the creator, should be praised by the creature. I mean, God made man. It sounds right that we ought to, at least when you understand what the word praise means, give God some kind of ratings, that does not sound unfair to me. If anything, I have a, if I have any understanding of who God is, that's standard. Now, I may know that, but whether I do it is another thing. See, cognitively, I agree with that. God deserves to be praised. And, and, and I think, typically speaking, we often praise people who deserve it. I mean... Ought God not to deserve to be praised? Now, last week I see Lacazette score a goal. It was a volley. I was like, oi, that's sick. We had a lecturer. So I work for London City Mission, and, I'm, and I work in the training department. So I'm a lecturer. But we had a real lecturer. We had a real lecturer come from Oak Hill College, which is one of the leading UK theological seminaries, come to our little urban pioneer foundation training course. I mean, our course ain't even accredited. It's just certificated. And we had this big, like, he's a professor in Hebrew and, and Greek New Testament studies. Brother came down to sit in on 
I say our class or my class. I got to meet him the week before, and this guy said, he's white, middle-class brother, and I say that because this highlights his humility. He said, we do things one way, but he says, I'd really like to see how you teach the Bible to individuals from your context, because he says, I feel like there's so much I have to learn. I was like, like Lacazette's volley, I was like, when my man said that, I was like, I didn't clap, but you know what I'm saying? I was like, wow. It's like, I mean, the creator of Bitcoin, it's like him saying, where's Mark? Is Mark McDonald in the room? It just stepped, oh, this was for him. Um, oh, wait, Bill Gates, you might come back here by the time I finish. Um, Bill Gates, where's Neil? And Neil's not in the room. Samuel, Sam. You know what I'm saying? Neil or Sam, because them guys are computer programmers. You know what I'm saying? That's how they, that's how they do, right? It's like, him, like Bill Gates coming and sitting and wanting a consultation with you because he feels like there's something he can learn from you. I think that communicates a real humility. You know what I'm saying? This week, I helped a 10-year-old boy um, kind of do something. And you know what he did? He turned around and he said, thank you. I was astounded, honest, I can't lie, I was astounded, because I didn't provoke him, I, didn't, I, I wasn't kind of like, ex- like kind of waiting, expecting, I just helped him, and he turned around and he said, you know, he said, Uncle Robert, he says, thank you so much, I could have collapsed. <laughs> and you know, as a parent, right, it's one thing, so I talk about Lacazette scoring a goal, it's one thing, I remember I used to do this with my son, if I went to take him to football and I saw him score a great goal or do something great on the pitch, I'd be like, that was nice. I rate him. I said, that was nice. Well done. But I know a lot of that stuff is gifting. I know it's developed and so on. But when he takes out the rubbish, yo, I get the fanfares out. You know what I'm saying? The ribbons, you know what I'm saying? Flags. And I'm like, woo! When this young boy said to me, thank you, it's like, you know, if you're, if you're a driver, I tell you, one of the things that makes me, makes, what I tell you, it makes my blood boil. Seen, so I'm not alone, yeah. It's coming like young people, like, and the thing is, often, you know what I'm saying? I'm in a hurry, you know. Like, I've got places, I'm a big man, I've got places to go, you know. <laughs> and these youths are crossing the road, like, like it's Sunday, like the sun is shining, you know what I'm saying? Oblivious. And sometimes I want to jump out my car. Grab them, like, grab them up differently. And just ask them, you know what? I was, I, was in, I was in Morley's the other day, and I went in there with Tyler, and we went to get something. Forgive me, like, Morley's probably not the best kind of food to feed your kids, right? But <laughs> one of them, it was just one of them ones. Can't deal with the dinner thing. It was just long that day. Anyway. And the man in the shop, he must have never heard Tyler say to the man, please, when he asked him. And the man turned around and said, you know what, please don't cost anything, you know. And I had to back it, and I said, he did actually say please. It's just that he didn't say it loud enough, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm on him, innit? Like, we are his parents. And, um, but I did agree with the man, the gentleman. And I said, you're absolutely right, especially nowadays. Young people, they're nah, no manners. And it's not good, you know what I mean? And, um, but I, it's come from the parents.
All I can say, time, times have changed. Times have, man said time. All right, see. So, so, amen. So, as much as, as much as we can, we're trying to inculcate those principles in our kids. And obviously in here, like, the, like we say all the time, it takes a village to raise a child. Even when you as a parent do all that you can, we still need the help of the community. Because I remember, mommy, I remember the times when I was growing up. Like I dare not, like at home, you're like, oh, you behave yourself. I, I better behave myself when I'm not at home. Because someone would deal with my case. You know what I'm saying? And two twos, I'm like, I go home. I could be clear. I used to live in East Dulwich. I could be riding my skateboard over North Peckham Estate. Come home, and my dad want to know why I was doing such and such. And I'm saying, how you know that? <laughs> I go to the, you know, I used to go to the barbers on Bellenden Road, yeah, around the back, because I grew up on Dockingham Hill Estate, right? I used to go to Bellenden Road barbers, walk in the barbers, yeah? And on them occasions when I never have to go with my dad, my stepdad, I'd bop in there, you know, like a big man, you know, sit down with the man, them, like waiting for my turn to get my. When I sat in the, in the barber's chair, I'd be like, all right, barber, I want to, I want off on the side a little bit, I want a couple of lines in my head. The barber just says to me, Manor your father. <laughs> Zim! <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? So, so, when I say times have changed, I'm saying that the community ain't what it used to be. You know what I mean? And, and like, like you're saying, Tim and Mommy, it's like we have to work harder now you know what i'm saying because we ain't getting no help outside <laughs> and that's why one of the reasons why being in a christian community in a context of a, a local church or local body is such a blessing for in, in an innumerable amount of reasons so it's only right to praise someone whether it's someone scoring a great goal or a lecturer coming over and acting in extreme humility or an unusual teenager turning around and saying, thank you. It's not unusual to then praise that person because they deserve it. Now, a definition of praise. What is praise, right? It's an expression of approval, admiration, or to applaud. It's to pay tribute, to speak highly of, or to eulogize. It's to compliment, to congratulate, to celebrate. It means to rave about. It means say nice things about, to make much of. It means to admire, to hail, to cheer. It means to express one's respect and gratitude towards, to, towards an individual. It's reverence. It means to venerate. It means an old, te an, an, an old English word, word, hallow. That's why at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer we say, hallowed be your name. That's praise. And, 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 and what I want you to do is note the poetry in verse 2. Now, I, I had to take it out of its... Um, when, when, you, when, you look, when you open your Bible, your like paper Bibles and your electronic Bibles, sometimes you'll see the text organized in a certain way. Beg your pardon? In syllabus. in syllabus. Is that what it's called? Like, when, like You can tell poetry in the Bible from narrative because it's stacked in a certain way and it's indented. So I've taken away the indentation only because I couldn't fit it all on the screen and I wanted the whole chapter on the screen, but I want you to remember that, that this is poetry. Remember the genre. The writer will say one thing in the first part of the verse that we're going to look at, verse 2, 
He'll say one thing in the first part of the verse, then he's going to say the same thing in the second part of the verse, but different. It's poetry. I will, he says, I will praise the Lord. How long? As long as I live, you know. Now, that's the kind of praise that God deserves, right? Now, verse 2 says, same thing but different. I will what? Oh, I'm not just going to say it, you know. I'm going to sing it. How many of you know you say one thing to, like, your, your lady love? Let's say you're, you're I don't know. Let's say you're, um, you're engaged. No, you're not even engaged yet. You know what I'm saying? You're courting, and, you're, and, 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 you, lo and you love her. You know what I mean? Like, again, going back to times gone past. You know what I'm saying? And, and you say you're going to serenade her. You know what I mean? And this is before you want to get, before you want to get um, intimate. Like I think we've talked about in the past. You know what I'm saying? Um, commitment precedes intimacy. And one of the wonderful things that would communicate um, commitment, you taking time to write a song. I, I, did, bro, did you do it at your wedding when you sang a song to D? Oh, stress. Sorry, bro. <laughs> They will be like, yeah, how come you never sang me a song? <laughs> Sorry, bro. Sorry, man. When you say it, that's one, I mean, to say it is massive, but to sing it, bro, you want a you wanna lady to go weak at the knees. I will sing praises to God, not just say, in what way? Can you see what he says next? What does he say? While I, it, it's like saying as long as I live, but different. You see that? I'm like, this is the way an ancient Hebrew would praise the God of Jacob. I mentioned that, but I've got, I got to move on. Question I want to ask about that Hebrew singing in that fashion is, would he have been able to do that perfectly, verse 2? Would you be able to do that perfectly, verse 2? No. Well, the answer is no, isn't it? But we know a man that can sing verse 2 perfectly. Remember, no one can pray these psalms, as we've been hearing for the last eight weeks or so. No one can pray these psalms like Jesus. You, me, not the... The parent, the, this individual from, from ancient history, no one can say it perfectly or even sing it other than the only ever perfect man that lived, and that's Jesus. But, but we can sing along with him. We, because he gives, he gives us the right to sing. I can sing, you know what I'm saying, along with Jesus because he gives me the right to sing. So I can, I, can, I can say it, and if I could sing, I would sing it. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. And it's funny because I can praise Jesus for providing me with the opportunity because in so doing, God won't reject me. Even despite my atrocious singing. <laughs> and, and it's no more acceptable if... If I'm a wonderful singer, God doesn't reject me because I'm coming in the strength of his name, not mine. Not because of our 
worthiness, but Jesus' faithfulness. It's not because of our faithfulness, it's because of Jesus' trustworthiness. Jesus is faithful and he's trustworthy. And, he, and because he is, I can, praise, I, can, I can say praise the Lord. I don't have to feel like a hypocrite when I come into church and I know the week's been poor. I don't have to come in and feel like, well, I can't praise God because when I think about my week and like, I, don't, I shouldn't have even come today. I, I actually would have had a much more productive day if I just stayed at home. You know when them lies start rolling around in your mind? You know what I'm saying? It's at that moment I can say, you know what? No, no, like the fact that I had a bad week doesn't preclude me, doesn't prevent me from still being able to say, praise the Lord. And it's because I know what Jesus did for me. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, you take that to its logical, its logical extent, it means God really will only help me, heal me, hear me, because I'm a good person. And how many of you know, now that's, that's stepping into hot water. Like, we don't want to go there. So, I say that because sometimes we, 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 actually, we, we say that we're Christians, but we, we, we're functional atheists. We don't actually believe the gospel. You know what I'm saying? And I say that, I, that's my confession. You know what I mean? I heard someone say that, well, like, we need to preach the gospel. Like, Mikey P, always encouraging us to preach the gospel, right? To others. But how many of you know... You need to be able to preach the gospel to yourself daily. And I'm saying that says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Because if it was, then you could boast about it. But we've got nothing to boast about. Amen. So, I can say praise the Lord because of Jesus. The one who can sing verse 2. You know, I've got a friend. And this is his favorite phrase, like, praise the Lord. And he's, and he's from Birmingham, so he says it with a Brummy accent, which I can't do. You know what I'm saying? It's his favorite phrase, praise the Lord. Jesus is trustworthy, and because of him, we can put our trust in God. But notice the warning now in verse 3. What did I say? Half past one, we're going to have this meeting. Notice the warning in verse 3, and then we'll come to the blessing in verse 4. So God is perfectly trustworthy, right? But verse 3 provides a contrast. Watch, verse 3. Put not your trust in... We can put our trust in God. He's trustworthy. We can see that. Look at what Jesus did for us, etc. like ad infinitum, right? But look, look what we mustn't put our trust... Don't... He says, put not your trust in princes. See? Now, one thing you can put your trust in is the fact that this isn't speaking about Harry or William. Um, put not your trust in princes. I mean, they weren't, they weren't born when this was written. Verse 3, put your trust, put not your trust in princes means don't put your trust in influential people. Just because they're influential. Just because someone's, someone is influential doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that they're trustworthy. I mean, really, I need to say to you, trust me, don't trust me. Trust me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like princes, rich people. I mean, you shouldn't need a warning to not trust. Now, that's not a slight on rich people, but there are some good rich people. 
You can't put your trust in prince. Don't put your trust in powerful people, gifted people, talented people. Like talked about football. Some people put their trust in their football club. I mean, I know Tottenham got their new stadium, and I must say, I was very, as an Arsenal fan, living not like as a supporter team from North London, Tottenham's North London, I envied their ground. <laughs> Dean, big up, bruv. I have to give you a break. The ground is, apparently it's the best ground in existence. It's like, like the technology and all of that stuff that's in the, in, in the ground. D, I never said that, bro. <laughs> Even as an Arsenal fan, bro, I got respect for Tottenham. Tim, on the other hand, who is a Liverpool supporter, maybe. Now, now, Frank, you know what? 40 years ago, when I was in church as a youngster, you couldn't talk about football like this in church. You know what I'm saying? Anything other than holiness, <laughs> right? You know what I'm Anything other than that was of, the, was of the devil. Thank God, you know what I'm saying? The Bible says, study to show yourself approved. A worker who needs not to be ashamed before God, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many of you know not everything that's not necessarily spiritual or like godly Bible is evil? You know what I'm saying? And we have the... We have... Um, We do have the liberty um, to enjoy stuff. I was gonna, the doctrine of creation helps us with that. You know what I'm saying? Like God creates a tree. A tree ain't necessarily spiritual, but it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's not a bad thing. A lot of things in life are amoral. Even money is amoral. How many of you know money is not the root of all evil? What does the Bible say? Ah, oh, it's, the, it's the, you know what I'm saying? So thank God we can laugh and joke about football, and it has its place. I remember when I first became a Christian, oh my gosh, I was such a legalist. There were all these things that you couldn't do and you mustn't do. And you know what I'm saying? My poor kids, I, th I think I told you before, for about, about eight years, no Christmas tree. <laughs> no, sir. Why? Because in Jeremiah it says you don't bring, you don't cut down, you know what I'm saying? Um, you don't cut, literally it says that. Don't cut down trees and then bring them in your house and decorate them. I was like, okay. <laughs> Not like kids were bawling eye water. I was a legalist, you know what I'm saying? And thank God he's helping me. And, um, and I think he's helping many of us in that sense. You know what I'm saying? There's so many things that we can now, we can enjoy righteously. And, 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 and what it is, is they just have their order of preference. You know what I'm saying? Like God has to be number one. But you know, football can be now near number, number six or number seven. It's on the list. You know what I'm saying? But it just has to have its place. It just has to have its place. Amen? Okay. Now, where are we? Don't trust in Princes, politicians, as I said, even pastors. And this makes even more sense when you realize just how frail, how fragile, how foolish and failing humans can be. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says in another place, when somebody falls, great will be their fall in your eyes. If you, if you esteem them too highly. You know what I mean? Yet, it's these very um, people that we seek out for help and hope, isn't it? 
the very people that we ought not to necessarily put all our trust and confidence in. And, and it doesn't mean that, well, and what's the ultimate reason we don't put our trust in princes, in people, right? Ultimately, because they die. Look at the verse. It says, put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, that basically means a human, you know what I'm saying, in whom there is no salvation, because look, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth, on that very day his plans perish. We don't trust in humans because they eventually die. They will eventually let us down. You know what I mean, in that sense. Husband or wife, stop, like I've been married now for a number of years. You know, you'd like this... Next year, October, I've been married for, by God's grace, I I would be married three decades. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm in that place where I'm looking and I'm thinking, boy, it's been a lot. Who said I'm getting old? (laughs) You're right. I am getting old. And it's, and it's, and I'm, and see, I didn't want to even agree to that. But I'm having to come to terms with that. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting old now. I'm getting older. And I'm thinking now, crazy, like, I'm like, Lord, who's going to go first? Is my wife going to go first? Or am I, am I going to... We're having them conversations. And it's like, Robert, if, look, look, if, if I die first, and I expect that I will, and I'm saying, you must get married again. And, and I said, I said, really? I said, I said, why? And she goes, because you can't cope on your own. <laughs> I was like, it's cool. I was like, all right, well, well if I die first, you, I give you permission to get married. How about that? And she's like, no, no, I don't need to get married again. If you pass away, that's it, because I'll be comparing everyone else to you. And then I stood there, I was like, you really thought this thing through. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we're having them conversations now. We're having those conversations, and, and I can't trust in my wife. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking, boy, how much do I trust in my wife? Like, I have to admit it. Like, my wife took about to help me. Like, Helen keeps me running like a Ferrari. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and, and vice versa. I'd like to think I contribute something to the relationship. She might, maybe, maybe she might miss me. I don't know. But you might have a girlfriend. You're not married. You've you got a girlfriend or you've got a boyfriend. You know what I'm saying? How much trust are you, are you putting in them? You know what I'm saying? Your boss at your workplace love you so much. You get on so well with your boss. And then the company changes your boss, and here comes another boss. I'm saying, you might have a brother, you might have the blessing, like you might have siblings. What a blessing to have siblings. You know what I mean? And you've got your little brother, you've got your little sister, your cousin, you know what I'm saying? And some princes, and, and sometimes even princesses. You might have ladies, like last week we celebrated Mother's Day, didn't we? Princesses in our lives. You know what I'm saying? Um, These people can help us in profound ways, but ultimately they cannot provide us with the vital help and hope that we need. I wanted to tell you a story about Elvis Presley, but I ain't got time. Now, it was basically that Elvis Presley (laughs) stopped being Elvis Presley when he realized he wasn't Elvis Presley. Now, you can work that one out. Now, this wonderfully sets up I suppose, sets us up now for the blessing. We see where we shouldn't put our hope. Well, where can we put our hope? The Bible would leave us hanging if it didn't now tell us where we could put our hope. Verse 5. I like how verse 5 starts because it's reminiscent 
of Psalm 1. Blessed is he whose help, notice help and hope, whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. I wish I could tease out the poetry, but I can't. Verse 1 and 2 talks about a decision, right? Shall we praise the Lord? Verse 3 talks about the warning that we just talked about, not putting our trust in princes. Verse 4 to 10 now is going to talk about the blessing. Verse 5, talking about help and hope. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord his God. Notice, look at his credentials. Like, can we really trust this God? Look at his credentials. He only made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Do you know, like, we live in an amazing world, right? Like above above the sea and apart from the heavens. Just the earth is incredible. You just watch David, Richard Attenborough, David Attenborough, right? But we're now realizing there's a whole world in the sea. Like you go down, there's a whole next world down there. And we're not even talking about outside of the earth, like the, like the planets and the, the stellar heavens. Like, and, and, and in one sense, you've got the macro, which is the big, big, big. And then you've got the micro. I mean, you can swim down in the sea to some degree and see the world down there, but we can't even see the microscopic world that exists. You put your finger on something and you, you eat food and don't wash your hands. You know about the, 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 the power of the invisible world. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> when your belly start run, right? <laughs> like we're talking about the God that made all of that. Here, here are his credentials. And I'm saying before, before, you even, before I even get to, you can put your trust in him, you should begin to feel like, well, yo, yeah, trustworthy. The God of creation. You should be impressed by the universe. I mean, that would be an understatement. The size and the scale of it ought to give you some insight into God's ability to be faithful and trying to give us reasons why we should praise the Lord. Look at the extent of God's commitment at the end of verse 6. What does he do? He keeps faith or is faithful for how long? Not like me and you, you know. Somebody asked me last week, send me a text. And my excuse is, I get so much texts, I get so much WhatsApps, I get so much emails. It's like I just can't keep. And I don't use Facebook. So if you've hollered at me like three years ago, I know now you're still waiting for I don't use Facebook. I'm on there with my wife. You know what I'm saying? And tutus, she'll often say to me, oh, Robert, someone's trying to holler at you. And so if, if you tried and did, it's her fault because she never told me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So she's not even here to defend herself. But, and she can defend herself. Um, what was I saying? It's like, I, someone sent me this, this message, right? And they asked me if I could look up some um, work experience for them at LCM. And I, and I text them back and said, yeah, man, I'm gonna, I'll, 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 I'll sort that out. Don't worry, I'll sort that out. A week later, I see come up on my WhatsApp thing. Oh, but even when I, when I, as soon as I saw the name, I thought, Lord, have you been able to find out if I can get some work experience yet? I had to honestly just text them back and say, you're not a flop, sorry. I was like, Text, phone me tomorrow at 10 a.m. when I'm at work, you know what I'm saying, and then I'll try and remember to do that. But God's not like me. 
is faithful, consistent, and perpetually. Look at the extent of his faithfulness from verse 7 now. You'd be surprised how quickly we can do this part. And this part ought to give us even, even, even the most unmotivated of us, even the most discouraged, even the weakest among us. You know what I'm saying? Even, the, even if you come in here desperate, for like you're gonna, you're like you're, on, you're. You need help. You need hope. Verse seven. This is the God who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord, listen, listen how many times it references the Lord. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Oh, that's a word again from Psalm 1, if you remember. The Lord, verse 9, watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. You should be encouraged by that. This is the God that you can put your trust in. I thought, I mean... Like there are a number of things on that list that would identify me. Hopefully you can see yourself in there and at the same time appreciate the fact that verse 6 says, he is the God who keeps faith forever. He gives hope and is happy with everyone apart from who? Verse, the end of verse 9 is a contrast. It says the way of the wicked, God's got a problem with. He brings ruin. He gives hope to and is happy with everyone apart from the wicked. Now the end of verse 8 are highlighted. The Lord loves the righteous. But verse, the end of verse 9 the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Remember we heard about both of those when we were doing Psalm 1. And we said that the righteous aren't good people. Here's the hope for us. Because there are no good people. Only sinful people. And as we saw in verse 4, all humans are frail and all humans fail and will eventually die. And that as a result of sin. Everyone who dies is a sinner. The only real righteous person is the one that the Psalms constantly make indirect reference to, and that is the Messiah. And we are made righteous in him, in Christ. So in Christ shall all be made alive. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. There is therefore now no condemnation to who? To those who are in Christ Jesus. So <clears throat> he's the righteous one. But if we can get in him, then we are righteous, which means we can sing this psalm like him. But it's not because of us, it's because of him. Romans 5. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, righteously so, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, Adam... The many were made righteous, us. So by the one man's obedience, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. See, we can find ourselves in that psalm. I want to be in the righteous group. I ain't trying to be in the, in the verse 9 group. Lord, 
And do you remember, we said the Lord Jesus, didn't he? He's, he says, the Psalms talk about him. Luke 24, verse 44 said, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. See, Jesus is saying, look, if you're like, I'm the righteous one and I got you, you can join my team. I mean, that talk about something to jump up and down and wave, you know what I'm saying, scarves for. Luke also says Jesus is the one who fulfills the promises in our psalm. So at the beginning of his gospel, Luke chapter 4, um, it says, When he came to Nazareth, speaking of Jesus, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on a Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. To, wait a minute, to do exactly what we just heard in Psalm 146? Yeah, Jesus. He has anointed Jesus to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus, he rolled up the scroll after reading it and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. This is Jesus in church, right? And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him because they take the scroll, read the text like I did, and then they'd preach it. They'd explain it. They'd expound it in the synagogue. So everyone's eyes on Jesus, pre Jesus the, the preacher for, the, for that Saturday, Sabbath, right, not Sunday. And they're waiting for him to explain it. Listen to what he says. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back, sat down, because they'd sit down to teach. And the eyes in all the synagogue were fixed on him, verse 21, and he began to say, and you read it already, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is basically saying, you see that text? You know who that's about? It's about me. Now to conclude, like Mr. Carnegie said earlier when he done um, communion, Jesus is our king. Jesus is our king. The last verse. You believe we're at the last verse. The last verse in our psalm says, look, the Lord, what? The Lord will reign forever. The Lord will reign forever. What is that saying about the Lord? Is it, thank you. Some, he ain't going nowhere, but someone said it just before he said that, P. He's... He's the king. I mean, it's kings who reign, right? So this person, the Lord, is the king. He says, <clears throat> Your God, O Zion, to all generations, king, reign. Genesis 49, last verse, last verse. Genesis 49 says, Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as a lioness, who dares rouse him? Who's this him? Verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. You know what the scepter is, right? It's what the king holds or the queen. It's a picture of the queen. She, she, even she's got a scepter, right? And um, the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall all shall, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. This is a prophecy about an individual who comes from Judah and he's called the lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. You know who that is? It's, Je it's not El Selassie. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And it's amazing because Jesus, he's, he's a lion, right, in one sense, but he's also a lamb. And this is what's beautiful about Jesus. 
He's a lion, and we're going to see him in his lion likeness when he comes the second time. But the first time he came, he didn't come as a lion. He came as a lamb. And he came as a lamb in order to be a sacrifice for our sins. And this is King Jesus. Isaiah 53 explains exactly what he did when he laid down his life. The righteous one, act of obedience in order that the many who were sinners could be made righteous. And in Psalm 146 ends in the way that it starts. Praise the Lord. Nah. Can I get a praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. See, I mentioned, I mentioned that this is a psalm of praise. This is the song that they would sing when they were going up to the temple. It's called a, a song of ascent. And I know it sounds like I'm starting again. I'm not. I'm finishing. <laughs> it's a song of ascent. The last five psalms. They're songs of praise that the children of Israel would sing as they're going up to the temple. But this particular time, especially when um, the, the, the Psalms were collated and edited um, for final presentation, like put in, in book form, collected form, if you like, this was when the children of Israel were actually in, just come out of Babylonian captivity. So how many of you know, like England after the Second World War, mash up. They had no king at this particular time. And the temple that they had was some busted old down. Remember, the, like the people would see the temple. Some of them were cheering because all they knew was Babylon and they grew up in Babylon. They, had, they were born in Babylon. They never ever, ever saw the original temple in Jerusalem that got destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. So, they've grew, so those who grew up in Babylon don't know no better. So when they come into Israel after going back into the land, they're like, wow, look at the temple that we used to hear. Remember we used to hear about the temple, but then there's a whole batch of them that are bawling because they look at the temple and it's nothing like it was. Yet this is the context in which these individuals, these people of God, sing this psalm. Therefore, this should give us great... They were disenfranchised. Yet they sang this song in faith. That's an encouragement to us when we come in and we don't feel, we feel everything's mashed up. We feel like we can't sing. Listen to what Christopher Ash says, who's one of my heroes of Bible teaching. Christopher Ash, he says, praise is not an overflow of our experience, but it's the expression of our faith. Now, it can be an overflow of your You've had a good week. You're coming, praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? We've we got the keys to our new home and we're moving. Amen. You can praise the Lord. But, but what happens when, you, when, when you're trying to get a deposit together for a house that costs a half a million pound that you're never going to be able to get in natural terms? Well, in that sense, praise is not an overflow of your experience because your experience is quote-unquote tragic in that sense. But there has to be an expression of our faith. And God will take care of you. You know what I'm saying? It might look grim. And God is a God of miracles. Let me encourage your heart still. God ain't going to leave you homeless. Come on now. Something like that. Amen. That's right. And, and you see that lamb 
symbology throughout the whole of the Bible. You see it again at the Passover. Take a lamb, kill it, put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of your house. Get in the house behind the blood, and when the angel of death comes over, death will be prevented from coming into your house. Why? Because of the blood. How many of you know nothing has changed? We, we don't experience death, that is the second death, because of the blood of the lamb. You know what I'm saying? And when you think about the doorposts, technically and specifically the text says put the blood on the, do on the sides of the doorposts and the top. Guess what? If you've got blood on the sides of the door and on the top, you're going to have blood dripping obviously down the sides. You're going to have blood dripping from the top onto the floor. You've got four points. And what does that make? It's a cross. And what is, what is, the, what is the door frame made of? It's too much. You're right, my sister. And that lamb, you see that lamb symbology. Throughout the, and that's why when John the Baptist points at Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Everyone should have went, raw. <laughs> so, I'm going to invite the team to come and I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, verse 3 says, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. Father, thank you that your encouragement to us is to put our trust in you who are faithful. Not in things that are unfaithful that will break under the weight. Even things that, even people who, are, who, who have good intentions to help and to support us. And thank you that we can, we can enjoy that. But Lord, we're not to put our trust in that. And it's funny, Lord, it says here, you can't put your trust in a son of man. But that's exactly what we need to do. We need to put our trust in not a son of man, a human, but in the son of man, Jesus. The one in whom there is salvation. Father, thank you that the Psalms speak about Jesus. I thank you that he's completely trustworthy. Even as we just said, he made a commitment. 33 years he walked this earth knowing every day, at least when he, when he, was, when he had sense, that he was going to be the Lamb of God that would have to suffer and die. It's crazy. He knew he was the king. The, lamb, the, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But yet he knew that before he was going to be able to sit on his throne... And receive a crown, he was going to have to go to the cross and receive a crown of thorns. Father, we are so unrighteous in ourselves. It amazes me that you have time for us. And Lord, the text says, as far as the, the righteous, as far as the the, the, the wicked are concerned, you're going to bring them to ruin. Lord, that, that should have been me. That should be me. Not even past tense, present tense. Because, Lord, I sin in thought, word, and deed. Yet, thank you, Lord, that I can be counted. Lord, thank you that we can be counted among the assembly of the righteous because of Jesus.
Thank you that the Psalms speak so profoundly of him, Lord. May we be enamored with Jesus to the point where, Lord, it affects our lives and it causes us, Lord, not necessarily out of our experience, but because of the faith that we put on, we trust in him that we can praise. And even now, Lord, as we stand, um, would you help us as an expression of faith, regardless of where we're at, good or bad, high or low, Lord, help us to sing now because you are our king and you are worthy of our praise. Praise the Lord. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.